eyes peeled, everyone. Welcome to Full 10 Yards Fantasy Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Full 10 Yards Fantasy Podcast. And it's a sad one. We start the show with the news that none of us here at the Full 10 Yards wanted to hear, and that is Blake Jarwin is done for the season after tearing his ACL in the Sunday night matchup against the Los Angeles Rams. Blake was on track for 768 yards this season. <laughs> which would have been quite the fantasy performance that we predicted for him. No touchdowns he was he was predicted for for the season, but unfortunately it is now never Jarwin for the rest of the 2020 fantasy football season. Uh, has anyone checked in on Tim today? I bet he's not very happy about that at all. Apparently he's got an absolute stockpile of merchandise that he's now wondering how on earth <laughs> to off the shelves. He's got a Tipex pen. He's putting Schultz on the back instead. <laughs> so yeah, head over to the uh, full 10 yards shop for a quick fire sale on there uh, on Blake Jarwin merch. So as you've already heard, we have got Rob and James in the room. Rob, how was the Sunday football back? Um, no, it's not, Dave. I'm being honest. Um, everyone here knows that I'm an Indianapolis fan and I quit. So I'm done. No more for me. Well, yeah, there's me as a 49ers fan, I know that the loss to the Cardinals wasn't quite as embarrassing, but um, still yeah. that Monday morning when you wake up and because uh, I got absolutely battered in my home league as well. So, uh, yeah, not not a great Monday morning. But James, you're still angry. you're still in the blissful unawareness of how your team are going to get on. So um, I'm almost glad that the Steers are playing Monday night because yeah. at least they have that Monday morning feeling, albeit based on the three of our luck this uh, weekend, I'm starting to feel like I should be going and putting some money on the Giants. But, um, <laughs> I mean, compounded by the fact that my other half is a Jags fan, and she might have been the only optimistic one left, and still <laughs> was able to celebrate, and played Naeem Hines in one of her leagues. So not only did she kind of traitor herself, she then went and solidly won games off the back of it. So I'm just sat here thinking, if, you, if you're any good with a microphone, I mean, I've got a job for you. <laughs> well, yeah, just make the most of this now two and a half hours before you get to find out the fate of your Pittsburgh Steelers. So we will be taking a look at the matchups from yesterday. We will be analysing the fantasy starter from each and deciding who should be picked up on the waiver wires. And where else could we start? Cam Newton is back with a bang. Everyone was saying, how is he going to look? Is he going to be fully healthy? How are McDaniels and Belichick going to be able to get him to the offence? And Cam Newton comes back with two rushing touchdowns. Just a real, not just him, not even just the one. It was, it was the two to really get back in. So, Cam Newton, how do you think it looked, Rob? Well, I predicted that he was going to be the QB two in the week. I predicted that he was going to have a rushing touchdown. He had two, and I think he was the QB four in the week. So I was quite, I was obviously a little bit off there, <laughs> but um, no, I, I, yeah, Cam Newton looked like old Cam didn't he? Um, you know, not throwing too much, but running the living life out of, out of the ball. Um, yeah, he looked, he looked phenomenal. He looked like old Cam. And that is exactly 
uh, what Bill Belichick wanted. Yeah, it was um, it was certainly great to see, but maybe not as beneficial to to your likes of Julian Edelman and James White under the under the Tom Brady era. So. James, is there any is there any alarm bells ringing there? And I know Julian Edelman got thirteen PPR fantasy points, but still, it was only the the wide receiver twenty eight. Any any alarm bells in the New England team there? I mean, to be fair, I think a lot of the sort of build up in the draft, no one was particularly high on any Patriot until um, Cam came into the fold and was confirmed starter. And then Edelman, I mean, to be fair, for the fact that these wide receiver one was still drafted low, so. I would say everyone was pretty much on a par with where they were drafted at the moment. I mean, James White, maybe considering Sony Michelle was the one who went over for the score, but I think it's a, it's early days and I don't think there's many people who are going to spend such high capital on the Patriots to be panicking. No, definitely. And we've got Nikhil Harry there. We weren't expecting much out of him. We, we didn't get particularly much out of him. So I think for the New England Patriots, it was it was the fantasy performance that, that we expected, really. But it was great to see Cam Newton go back and go back to the, the Russian self that, that we know him. And uh, top top five QB, that's, that's, that's all we want to see. And for the position that you got him in your draft, absolute bargain. And on the other side of the ball, we have got the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Devontae Parker was supposed to be the standout this season, and he's now retweaked his hamstring, which could, well, will probably now put him out for, for the next few weeks. It, it, was, it was one of those where players, they know in deep, deep down that they, they've still got that nagging injury, but they'll tell the trainers they're okay. They'll, they'll go 100% in practice just because they want to get on the field that much. And I think this is a case that what we've seen for, for Parker, it's the season's come one week too early for him. And he's, he's now set to miss some time with, with his hamstring injury, which considering they're against the Bills next week and he would be going up against Tredavious White, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But does that mean that we're not going to be looking to pick up Preston Williams next week? Because he automatically becomes the, the ideal waiver wire candidate. He automatically becomes the guy that we think is going to be the beneficiary. But because he's going up against White, Rob, you're pulling a face, do you, do you think... That's not the case. Yeah, that is the case. Tredavious White is going to be locking down Preston Williams. So, for me personally, it's all about Gesicki. Um, I think you know there is a the Bills aren't great over the middle of the field. Um, that's going to be Gesicki's role. I, I appreciate Gesicki did have a great week one, um, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm more looking that direction than I am Preston Williams. I've got no. Real interest uh, in, in any other wide receivers at Miami. Um, so, yeah, it'd be Kosicki for me. It'll be probably highly rated for me next next week. And hands up if you had Miles Gaskin as being the fantasy point scoring <laughs> running back for Miami this week with 10.6 PPR points. Like, what's that all about? We, we thought that Jordan Howard would at least get the carries, at least get 10 carries on, on a weekly basis. Oh, man. And seemingly not, just I think it was eight carries he finished on, and seven yards. Touchdown, yeah, it was only the fact that he had the the touchdown that was a saving grace to his to his fantasy yeah. performance. And Matt Breeder seemingly not being used hardly at all. What like what's going on there? Just how can you? How right? This is what I don't understand. How can you rush for eight times and get like less than a yard per carry? A yard is like a a big footstep. Like, surely, I don't know. To me, it just seems weird. Eight rushes, seven yards. Yeah. One touchdown. How can you get a touchdown? Oh, it just freaks me out. Like, I, I, yeah, no one started gasking. That came out of nowhere. 
No, but is is it worrying? Like, are we are we dropping Jordan Howard now, or are we trying to target him in a trade because he's he's going to be his best value? What, what's what's going on? Neither for, neither for me. Uh, I don't know if you've got a different opinion, James, but I'm not dropping him because I, I give players at least three weeks. That's my rule: uh, three strikes, you're out, kind of thing. Um, I'm not trading for him though because it like offers very little upside at the moment, James. Um, Howard's probably looking like a TD upside option, but it's looking like he at least has that going for him. Um, Breeder's the one that's very much going to... I think you might find Breeder being one of the most dropped players in this wave of YSET um, sort of spell coming up on Wednesday for most people. Um, I'd say don't panic too early, but especially with... um, Parker out, there might actually be a bit more of a role for him, but it's not looking fantastic. And yeah, Gaskin had one more carry, but he did have four targets. And I think, you know, they, they that old preconception that Jordan Howard can't catch seemed to ring true because he wasn't. I don't think he was even targeted this week. And Gaskin had four mm. for four, and that was the difference maker in fantasy. So yeah, um, Gaskin's. Got a bit of a write-up in the hype train station coming up on the website, hopefully tomorrow or tonight. Depends when you're listening. But um, yeah, I'm not saying rush out and get, but there is a chance everyone else might be. <laughs> okay, I'm moving into the next game. I think this is someone that you might want to be rushing out to get. I think a tip from James. And we go over to Eagles at Washington. Washington surprise winners there, but standout performance, James. I'll let you. I'll let you talk us through this one. <laughs> did I did I mention this guy enough times? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely one of those I told you so moments coming up. If, if there was one player I banged on about so on through the draft season, it was Dallas Goddard. And even though the Eagles lost, I can't, I'm still kind of. So happy that that came true. Um, say, pretty much as I as I almost scripted it, it's that with the wide receiver room depleted, Miles Sanders being out was a big sort of help for him as well. But it's going to be two tight end sets, and you're going to find both tight ends are going to get targets, and both are probably going to find the end zone quite a lot. And um, for someone who's effectively probably only in a quarter of leagues in across all formats. Um, yeah, he's going to be a major waiver wire pickup for a lot of teams, but not in any leagues that I am in because he's already gone. I'm afraid. <laughs> um, but uh, now nah, that was that was looking quite nice. And then one of our other picks that we mentioned on the podcast, I had a brief like side note in the article last week, but we talked about the Washington football team defense. You did, being yeah. A pick and being a sneak yeah. pick, not just for this week, but for the whole season. And man, is that looking rosy right now? DST one, DST yeah. one on the week, yeah. And the second highest scoring fantasy player, if you like, from this matchup after Dallas Goddard. So it's incredible. You, you said right at the top there, David. There was no one picking Washington. Well, if you look in our Survivor League and you look under Rob, you'll see that I have picked Washington this week um, in the Survivor League because you have to pick. Every I don't know whether you're in it. I mean, no, you're not. James is. Um, am, so yeah. the Survivor League is different to Survivor Pool. So Survivor Pool is when you pick a team each week, and if they lose, you're out. The yeah. Survivor League it runs for 16 weeks. You have to pick every single team, okay. um, and it, you pick two a week. 
Um, and if you if both lose and you go down a league, if both win, you go up a league. And if you win and lose, you're, you stay in the same league. And I actually picked Washington this week, knowing that I have to pick them at some point in the season, knowing that the Eagles were depleted at wide receiver, Miles Sanders was out. I didn't fancy Boston Scott to have a great game. He did get injured, in fairness. Um, I knew that they're going to get after Carson Wentz because the O-line's been banged up. Remember, um, Andre Dillard is missing this season. So the O-line's banged up. Uh, and you've got this, the, those four superstars on, on the defensive line of, of Washington. I really fancied Washington this week, and I'm glad I put them in my Survivor League. Um, Who was your other team? <laughs> was it or was it the Colts? <laughs> I can neither the confirm nor deny that the Colts were my other team in that league. Yeah, we'll move on. Let's move on. Let's go to the next I... team, Dave. Who we got next? <laughs> well, first of all, I want to talk about uh, Peyton Barber. So it was highly anticipated. <laughs> Antonio Gibson season was in full swing before before this matchup, but it yeah. was Peyton Barber that that had the two touchdowns there. So. Uh-huh. Is are we are we going out for him or is this just a backfield that we just want to completely avoid for the season? Is this like Again. a parallel universe from last year? <laughs> when in Tampa Bay, last year in Tampa Bay, I think the, in the first week people were probably saying we need to talk about Peyton Barber, and that was, and it was more of a is he a number one? Is he droppable? And then this week, what the heck happened apart from the goal line? Yeah, exactly. And his his performance, he. He was one of these, another player that had uh, quite a few carries, uh, not altogether that many yards, but got the two touchdowns to to counteract that. I mean, when you're scoring 14.9 PPR points and 12 of them are a touchdown, it's it's not. It's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. So there's going to be a lot of people that go out and pick him up because they've been bitter oh. by Antonio Gibson. There's going to be people. There's going to be people selling your trades. I'm, I'm going to say, accept those trades. Accept those trades that come in because what he scored for you this week was not sustainable. So if someone comes in with a nice big offer for you straight away, take it. Absolutely take it. It is not sustainable. And anything else to talk about there? Uh, Logan Thomas is currently the tight end six um, for the week with 13.7 PPR points. I think he was the he was going to be the stand. He was going to be well. He, Got the only um, tight end points in Washington this week. Uh, scary Terry, are we are we worried about him? No, no it'll be fine. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Eleven PPR points is middle of the road. It's not bad. It's not good. Um, I'm I'm not worried. He's literally other than the superstar Gandy Golden, who'll get going soon uh, was not in this game uh, but yeah other than, uh, Terry McLaurin is he's the only guy at, in Washington that you can trust to bring you a solid amount of uh, of, of fantasy but he's got a, such a good floor that's that's the correct terminology I believe when we're talking fantasy isn't it it's the right he's got a good floor and a high ceiling <laughs> And moving into the north now, we have got the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings, which yielded the wide receiver one, the wide receiver three, uh-huh. quarterback two, quarterback nine, running back nine, wide receiver ten, a high-scoring affair. And Scorigami, yes, this was a uh, the first Scorigami of the season that we saw in week one. And, and the palindrome. The palindrome? Uh, what was All three, three, four. Beautiful. What a what's uh, what's a satisfying what a satisfying score. 
Palindrome and Scorigami. But yes, plenty of fantasy points around here. Uh, Devontae Adams, who saw him going off like that? Like, we knew he was going to be good. We knew he was going to be having Rodgers' target, but 41.6 PPR points. That's just incredible. Sign of things to come for the season, Rob? Definitely, yeah. Uh, he was my number one, uh, number two wide receiver, sorry, behind Michael Thomas, who uh, we'll get onto him later. Looks like he's, he's injured for a bit. But um, yeah, Devon Adams, I had him down as my wide receiver one on the week on my rankings. So glad he was that. Uh, phenomenal performance. Uh, I, I wonder if, I wonder if Aaron Rodgers has got to that point in his career where he's going to start going down the uh, the Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees rabbit hole where he's good at home, not so good away. I think there might be some splits coming this year. Um, he was certainly playing a bit PO'd. Uh, I think that game was a statement, um, obviously with the Jordan Love being, uh, stuff being thrown around in the offseason. Um, I think that's a, a statement game from Aaron Rodgers. He went out there 364 yards, four touchdowns, boom. No mistakes at all. Um, wasn't even sacked. So, uh, you know, he's, but going forward, I don't know, can, can you smell kind of a, a home away split coming here? Well, it was away in week one. They were in Minnesota, <laughs> so... It's not happen. everything I just said. I thought it was in Lambeau Field, so apologies. No, it was it was in Minnesota. It, it was. It, it I was, was scrambling ignore to me. check. Ignore me. Well, maybe it's the opposite then. Maybe it's going to be crap at, at Lambeau. Wow, that's, that's a show. <laughs> that's a no. bold statement, but it's possible. I, I, I take back everything I just said because I genuinely thought that was in Lambeau. I apologize. Green Bay throw in the last game of the season so they don't get home field advantage. In You've heard it yeah. here first. That is that is a bold. <laughs> that's the boldest take I've heard of the season. Oh, I'm a terrible. But artist. James, the wide receiver two situation there. We've got MVS and we've got Alan Lazard, both with yards, both with touchdowns, and we we tipped Lazard to be the, the guy um, heading into heading into the season. But then Marquez Valdez Scantling out of nowhere. What's going on? Well, both Lazard and MVS both had four receptions, both had a touchdown. It was just that Valdez Scantling was the longer play. So I think you may have found the answer to the who's two and three, but not necessarily the order, which bodes both well and badly. If this is one of those that I want to keep an eye on, but I don't want to invest heavily early in this could go any which way. I mean, Devontae Adams is just going to be a target hog. I mean, say, they had four each, and uh, Adams had 14 receptions. So that's, you know, three times as much, nearly, well, three and a half times as many. So, you, you know, this you probably, without the touchdowns, I mean, to be fair, Vardis Scantling nearly made 100 yards on the four receptions. So ignore that fact, I was about to say. But... um uh, it's just, it could be a bit of a minefield, but it could be that both of them are relevant. I'm still, I'd still feel like there's a bit more water to go under the bridge just yet. And yeah, kind not, of careful. Yeah, it's not sustainable to see them both score a touchdown every week. So it will just be interesting to watch which one takes the advantage. Aaron Jones, it was good to see him uh, get the score, get some yardage, especially with AJ Dillon lingering behind. So I think that will have. Um, Put some fantasy minds at I was quite high on Minnesota sort of when they traded for Ungarque and it was that defense looked by, you know, if you on paper looked pretty good. And then out on the field and you sort of looking at it, you're saying, 
yeah, that paper's worth nothing. And it's, it's an out, it just something doesn't look right. And it does concern me. Speaking of Minnesota concerns, does 12 carries for Dalvin Cook concern you? I know it's, he got the touchdowns, but again, is that sustainable? Game script. Game scripts. Yeah, so, game script, wasn't it? They were behind a lot. Um, they were behind, what, 22 10, was it, at, half, at halftime? So the, think, yeah. the, the running game was game scripted out of it. I'd say the bigger worry if you're a Cook fan, but I wouldn't get too concerned, is Alexander Matteson, six carries, 50 yards, which is mm. the same amount of yards as Cook got just on half as many carries, but obviously didn't get the touchdowns, albeit he was looking like he was on the charge for one at one point. Um, and equally, Madison had, was targeted twice, you know, four times rather than Darwin Cook's two and reeled those in for 30 yards. So anyone who picked up Madison as a handcuff has suddenly found themselves a flex player and the upside of what happens if Cook does go down. Obviously, he got his contract now, so we're no longer worrying about a potential holdout. But it's then back to the, you know, he's, he could always get injured. It's happened before. Um, situation, but yeah, it's all game script on this week. Darwin Cook will still have games where he dominates defenses. It's just wasn't this one. Okay, and moving south, I'm sorry, Rob, we've got to talk about it. But nope, it's the on. Colts and the Jaguars. Nope, and I'll take it on from a fantasy perspective. This one isn't screaming. Yeah, at. only Naheem Hines. Naheem, who was the running back four on the week. And uh, Rob is uh, having a bigger I told you so than uh, James with his Dallas Goddard currently. He was the only standout <laughs> performer here for this week for me. Gardner Minshew, yeah, he had, a, he had a serviceable week. He was he was quarterback 11 on the week. But then we're looking at Keelan Cole as the top-scoring wide receiver. That's, that's not sustainable. Harris uh, Campbell looked good, like six receptions, 71 yards. He was, he was good. He was good. And LaVisca? LaVisca! Yeah, yeah touchdown. 13.7 uh, points, wide receiver 26. Uh, and compare that to, to T.Y. Hilton, for example, who 9.3 points, wide receiver 44. It's. I'm... Right, let me take this one on then. Right, okay. here we go. <laughs> Naheem Hines, absolute legend. I told you to draft him all off season. I told you that Naheem Hines is going to be the new Austin Eckler. And guess what? Austin Eckler is not the old Austin Eckler. He's a new Austin Eckler because Pitt Rivers is no longer at the Chargers at the Indianapolis Colts. And he likes using the gadget guy. Naeem Irons is a guy that you're going to want to trade for. Now, go get him. His value is only going to go up. He's going to be used. Marlon Mack has just gone down with an Achilles. He's done for the year, probably done for his career. Uh, I'm so gutted about that because I love Marlon Mack. But nonetheless, like Naeem Irons at the moment, as things stand, and I've just got a notification through to say that there are three running backs currently talking to Indy to come in as a backup role. Lamar Miller is one of them. Don't worry about it. They are not going to have any kind of role. It's going to be the Jonathan Taylor run game uh, in Indy. It's going to be the Naheem Hines gadget show uh, behind there. Paris Campbell, absolutely. I loved, I love watching him uh, this week. He's fantastic. His hands are great. He gets into the right areas. Philip Rivers can hit him. Let, let's be honest. Philip Rivers of 363 yards passing. That, that's perfect. You know, that's what we're asking about him. It's the fucking interceptions that are letting us down, which let us down with Andrew Luck, which let us down with Jacoby Reset. 
and we should have saw it coming that Philip Rivers, you know, loves to throw an interception. So it's gutting, absolutely gutting, because I thought offensively we were pretty good. Defensively, we were miserable, absolutely miserable. Xavier Rhodes, go back to Minnesota. You are crap. You are absolutely crap. Um, and <sighs> Rocky Arsene as well. I defended Rocky Arsene because I think that he's got a lot of potential. He had a pretty naff season last year, but I still defended him. Well, he, he was nowhere to be seen on that field, you know, and defensively, absolute shambles. Um, there was one guy in the middle, the maniac who was just, he was doing his job. The rest weren't. And it was just, it was just poor. It was poor play all the way around. Uh, Jacksonville thoroughly deserved the win. Gardner Minshew, fantastic. What a guy. What a guy that he is. Like, coming into the scene as a, as a nobody. And, you know, he's, he's, one, of the most, he's the, one of the most funnest players in the, in the NFL right now. Um, I love watching him. Uh, James Robinson, hats off to him as well. Undrafted free agent who 16, 16 rushes for 62 yards. He looked good. He looked capable. Um, he's going to be a guy going forward if he's on the waivers. We'll talk about that later. But, yeah, for me... Positives for Indianapolis. Naeem Hines is the real deal. Jonathan Taylor is now going to get the going to get the ball and is going to run it down everyone's throats. I am still excited about this Indy team, but I am embarrassed about the defensive performance this weekend. Rant over. <laughs> <laughs> and is it to add, uh, James, before we move on? No, I think you, I'll, I'll try. Well, actually, I'll try, I'll try and give the Jags a bit of airtime because I say we all bashed them in preseason and said that it was just the Jacksonville tankers. Uh, nobody told Gardner Minshew, or indeed the whole of no. the offense, and there indeed is... the defense. And I kind of, I kind of looked back over sort of the transactions, and obviously said, "Yeah, Fournette's gone. So yeah, your running game's gone. But did you really get any rid of any of your passing weapons? No. What's Minshew's strength? Probably scrambling and passing. And mm-hmm. the running game with Fournette wasn't good anyway. So losing nope. him wasn't a loss." I mean, Look, okay, he was good at times, but... The Jacksonville Jaguars will not be the 101 pick. No. They won't be the 101 pick. The Vegas, the Vegas favourites to be one pick. We've just, we talked about it on the college podcast a couple of weeks ago. We did our mock draft. Everyone was saying, yeah, Jacksonville are going to be number one. They're not... They're not even the worst team in the division. Houston. Look at Houston. They are not a good team. I think Jacksonville will go beat them. The Jets. Did you see the freaking Jets? We'll talk about them in a bit. They are horrendous. Jacksonville are not going to... I don't even think Jacksonville are going to be a top five pick. There you go. My other half just walks into the room almost like foam finger cheering as the Jags fan just saying, like, this is just music to my ears. (laughs) (laughs) Leaving with a drink and I'm here like, I'm not going to hear the end of this, am I? But... (laughs) I do. I do hope the next game is the game. I think it is with the with the actual one hundred and one possibility. Uh, well, we're headed up north again, and it is the Bears at the Lions. The Lions throwing away a big lead, and then DeAndre Swift dropping the <laughs> pass that would have secured the game. Bless him. It was that classic moment where he he turned upfield before he caught the ball, so he he got two hands on it. He knew where the end zone was, turn in, and just forgot to hold on as he, as he turned his body. And, and that sealed the, the Detroit Lions' fate. And as a Matt Stafford owner in many leagues, I would have loved that just four points just to, to finish me off for the, for the week. But no, it wasn't to be. Uh, but I think the noticeable thing there was DeAndre Swift's three carries. 
compared to Adrian, well, Kerryon Johnson's seven, Adrian Peterson's 14. But it was it was DeAndre Swift that, that did get the rushing touchdown. So oh, yeah. the Detroit backfield was as puzzling as we as we thought it would be uh, headed into headed into the week. Uh, Adrian Peterson, fourteen rushes for ninety three yards at six point yards per carry. That's that's quite impressive for the old guy into, into a brand new offense. Still doesn't make me want to run out and pick him up because I think DeAndre Swift will chip away at that and will take more of the lead until will take more of the carries, but. Adrian Peterson, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still not picking him up. And then CJ Hawkinson, I think this is one that, that we that we tipped in the offseason as well. Five receptions for 56 yards and a touchdown. And I think as soon as we get Kenny Golladay back, the Lions would have just won this game. They would have. This is the kind of game that they would have taken over the line. This is the kind of team that they will beat and they will progress forwards. Matt Patricia, I don't think anybody's sold on him. And he is just a, he is just a ticking time bomb for how long he is going to survive there in Detroit. But there was enough there that I saw for Detroit, especially with Kenny Galladay returning, to, to think that there is, there is certainly some optimism there. And he will, he will step up to be his wide receiver one role. And in Chicago, is it Mitchell Trubisky season? Has he finally turned the corner? I told you so. I had him as a top 10 running uh, quarterback this week. And he finished, I think, as the quarterback nine, I think. Uh... I'll yeah, bet that in a minute. It was looking bad in the early stages of the game, but so, uh, yeah. just it, he came alive at some point. And Seven. It was like mm. Someone flicked a switch that hasn't been flicked in a long time, and yep. suddenly there was light. Mm. Yeah, and he finishes the quarterback seven fantasy owners. Um, weird old game, isn't it? But um, the one thing I would like to add, if I can, just really quickly, uh, two rookie receivers on either side of the ball uh, who have got a lot of, of, of uh, ownerships on taxi squads. Uh, that is Darnell Moody, uh, sorry, Darnell Mooney for the Chicago Bears, who had three receptions for 38 yards. He's clearly the third guy there uh, behind Miller and Robinson. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, Quintus Cephas had 10 targets three receptions, 43 yards. Uh, clear indication that if one of the receivers is down, Golladay or Marvin Jones, Quintus Cephas is going to get targets. Um, unfortunately, it was a case of the rookie jitters for him. Had a few drops, um, had a few, yeah, sort of mismanaged routes. Um, but, you know, polish him off and he's going to be a really, really good weapon for, for Detroit in a couple of years' time. Um, so there are two very deep players that I've got stashed on taxi squads and, and good to see them coming through and david montgomery he uh it wasn't a prolific fantasy performance but i think he will quash any and it was coming from behind constantly so i think eventually in, in some games he will he will reward fantasy owners for, for where they drafted him and particularly if he drafted late when he was injured you would have got him for, for quite a good bargain there uh tariq cohen i was a little bit disappointed with thought we could have seen more from him especially with um, the concerns surrounding uh, Montgomery's health and to only have two receptions for six yards we're not getting enough upside there from how we drafted him we were drafting him as that James White Duke Johnson kind of back that is going to be a, a PPR asset so to be only getting two receptions for six yards is slightly disappointing there uh, and Anthony Miller getting the touchdown grab uh, to upset many Alan Robinson owners because it started off that Alan Robinson was getting spammed with the football but Anthony Miller came in with the with the touchdown grab as did Jimmy Graham, but let's not even uh, warrant... Could have been worse. Jimmy Graham had one brought back, didn't he? 
Yeah, or nearly yeah. went over for a second. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah. I was thinking, two touchdown day for Jimmy Graham, and I'm sort of here saying I'm out of it on the tight end market. And yeah. then I looked at Dallas Goddard and cheered up. Yeah, I'm. Um, <laughs> I'm not rewarding Jimmy Graham with any uh, fantasy football airtime. I am afraid. And now we look at the Las Vegas Raiders and the Carolina Panthers, and the the box scores for the quarterbacks and the top running backs are. Scarily similar in this one. So we had Derek Carr, 22 of 30 for 239 and a touch. And then we had Teddy Bridgewater for 22 of 34 for 270 and a touch. And then Josh Jacobs, 25 carries for 93 yards and three touchdowns. And then Christian McCaffrey for 23 yards, uh, 23 carries for 96 yards and two touchdowns. So uh, quite a nice little... uh, symmetry there between the two teams and that was reflected in the 34-30 scoreline for the Raiders and also I, I think our fears about the, the Vegas passing game were lived when they threw to nine different receivers this week the ball was going everywhere we, we thought it would and no receiver got more than 55 yards which was, which was Henry Ruggs I think the biggest takeaway there for me was that Josh Jacobs got six targets, four receptions, and 46 yards. Finally, it is my turn to say I told you so. I told hey. you that we, we knew that Josh Jacobs was a phenomenal runner. And although his, his yards per carry wasn't great, the three touchdowns in the 93 yards um, earned him running back one status for the week. However, to see him getting the looks, getting the receptions with all of those weapons there, that is what I wanted to see there. So really great news for me. Uh, Darren Waller, he had eight targets. So again, I'm not panicking too much that he only got the the 45 um, receiving yards because with the six uh, PPR points, that takes him up to 10.5. So with with touchdown upside, he'll be be a fine low end tight end one for the season. (laughs) We have some interesting receiving stats for Carolina. So James, you want to take us through those? Who who had Robbie Anderson as their top wide receiver, even ahead of DJ Moore, even ahead of you know McCaffrey potentially. You know some people may have thought he would have also got the most receiving yards, but eight targets, six receptions, 115 yards, and a touchdown. A few people sort of said, yeah, he could be a very good wide receiver too. He could be serviceable, and didn't expect those numbers in week one. <laughs> and I, I I did have to sort of rub my eyes a little bit and go. Really, um, DJ Moore only well only got four receptions for fifty-four on nine targets. So even though he was the most targeted, it wasn't quite his day. And uh, yeah, after that, it was kind of a bit of a plethora. Curtis Samuel had five receptions on eight targets, and he made thirty-eight yards. So yeah, Robbie Anderson suddenly making it onto a lot of people's radar, and those people who drafted him late as their dart throw are starting to feel very happy, albeit. I would imagine that he may be one of the highest scoring bench players on most people's teams that he's on. So um, it might be bittersweet, but um, if you own him, there is a possibility that this is the high point of his value. But it's it's probably a bit of a toss-up right now at the moment, because if he's going to be that effective, maybe they'll think keep going that way. And suddenly those with DJ Moore shares are starting to panic. And I think we are going to see a lot of games like this where the Panthers are in 
high scoring shootouts where they're going to have to throw the ball. Uh, people like Robbie Anderson are going to be beneficiaries of that. I, I don't think Carolina are going to cruise to any victories this season. So, so why, why couldn't it be Robbie Anderson's season? And I think there is going to be a few waiver wires that you can that you can go out and pick him up from in, in maybe some of your shallower leagues. So definitely head out, pick up Robbie Anderson because he is going to certainly through bye weeks and all that kind of stuff, he's going to give you a wide receiver to uh, maybe flex, maybe flex upside there. Um, Ian Thomas, I was disappointed with with that performance. I thought that he he could be doing better as the as a tight end there than his his two receptions for for sixteen rushing yards and no touchdowns. Uh, Rob, what were your top takeaways from this one? Uh, it, it, I th- you you've already mentioned David. It was J- Josh Jacobs. It was seeing what he was able to do, seeing the the volume that he got, uh, the passing game, fantastic. Um, yeah, Robbie Anderson was a surprise for me. Um, I've never, I haven't been on him at all this off season. I was unsure where he was going to fit into that offense, but seemingly, seemingly fits like a glove. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, perfect. Um, I think this is going to be the story of Robbie Anderson. I, I wonder now if there's going to be two or three low games, and then he'll have another massive game. It's going to. I think Robbie Anderson's going to be a fantasy nightmare for fantasy owners because. Because I don't know if you're gonna you'll start him next week and he'll have two targets, one reception, eleven yards, and then the week after he'll have two receptions, twenty-one yards, and then you'll say oh, I can't start him this week, so you drop him. And then he'll have ten targets, nine receptions for three hundred and fifty-five yards and six touchdowns. Uh, bit extreme, yeah. uh, but no, this I think that might be what Robbie Anderson is this year. But we'll see next year. Next week, he might well prove me wrong. My one other takeaway I'll take from this is that I think I'm quite happy playing um, players, quarterbacks, etc., against these two defenses. Quite, you know, this yeah. these two could be, yeah. you know, dream against options. You're you're sort of on the lookout for Vegas. You're on the lookout for Carolina. In the same way that you, you we were on the lookout for the Jags, but um, <laughs> suddenly I may have to reevaluate that methodology of picking. Um, Streamers. So, <laughs> and now we get to talk about the game that you wanted to talk about before, James. So it is the New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> Adam Gaze. What a. Oh, I can't think of sentence. Have you got a drop for that? <laughs> We're gonna have to. It's so Just... bad. Jameson Crowder being the only highlight from from that New York Jets <laughs> oh, team. Yeah, yeah, I'd say seven receptions yeah. for 115 yeah. receiving yards and touchdowns a highlight, definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, if if Sam Donald's going to throw the ball 35 times, they've they've got to go somewhere. 13 targets to to Jameson Crowder, but Levy Chris Hogan was good. He, did you see his stat line? Four targets, one reception, no yards. <laughs> I what I mean. Le'Veon Bell going down injured and might well be missing the next few weeks as well. Just to, right. just to add some further, well, to add injury to insults, I suppose. <laughs> I've drafted him everywhere because I really thought that he was going to be the centerpiece. I thought this was the Vion Bell. I thought it was going to be the Le'Veon Bell show this year because I thought, right, he's going to get back at Adam Gase, all them comments last year, didn't want him, all this sort of stuff. And he's going to say, right. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to prove that I'm one of the best running backs in football. He don't want to be there. He does not want to be there. I, for my money, Le'Veon Bell is on a different team uh, when week nine rolls around. I think the, it's the trade deadline week eight. It's week eight, isn't it, usually? Um, 
I think week nine, Le'Veon Bell is on a different team. That's my that's my hot take. Yeah. yeah and he'll so- miraculously be healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Buffalo, a lot more interesting, a lot more to talk about. Mm-hmm. So Josh Allen, his passing was not great. He made some pretty wild throws, but he did throw the ball 46 times, yeah. which considering it was a, a big win, was, was well, it wasn't as big as it, as it could have been, but um, yeah, it was, was surprising. And mm. first time in his career, he's gone over 300 passing yards, I believe. Uh, two yeah, passing well touchdowns. And then 14 carries, 57 yards, and a touchdown. What was it? Quarterback? And how many, how many fumbles? <laughs> Two and both were lost. <laughs> Those were in positions. They could, they could quite comfortably have been 35 nil up in this game, I think. And he, he, he's sort of, considering we always said Josh Allen's a runner, his ball security sort of let him down a little bit in this one. But yeah. in fantasy, he was, um, well, quite Gold. gigantic, let's be yeah. honest. But um, yep. can, I, can I talk about the running back game? Because this, this is where I, w- I was panicking and in some respects still am because say, I've been a bit of a Devin Singletary truther through a lot of the offseason. I've sort of started hot, cooled down, and then when I realized the value went up again. And then it's sort of, it, Zach Moss started to get all the big plays and it was basically I was watching Red Zone and Zach, it was always Zach Moss. I was not seeing Singletary at all and we're starting to think, oh, this is, is this is Moss taking over before we've even started. Um, in the end, both of them had nine carries. Singletary went for 30 yards. Zach Moss went for 11. Um, Singletary had five receptions for 23 yards. And Zach Moss had three receptions for 16 yards, but got the touchdown. Mm-hmm. So while on, pa- on paper and you know on the stat line, they're looking reasonably identical. But I think you know Zach Moss looks like he was a value in drafts, and Singletary looks like he might have been just about the right value actually. Um, so I wasn't. I'm not quite panicking as much. Um, I'm going to let Rob talk a bit about uh, Dawson Knox because he had one. He was sort of. There was that one throw where Josh Arn just overthrew him and it was like a guaranteed long-range Mate. touchdown. If that had gone in, you would have been looking so good on that goal. <laughs> I cried because he literally had 10 yards of space around yeah. him. He could have literally swung the proverbial cat around his head and wouldn't have hit no one. And Josh Allen stared straight at him, threw the ball straight at him, and it, it went past his fingertips, fully stretched. It was the most bizarre... Uh, yeah, most bizarre. Well, it wasn't bizarre. Let's be honest. It, that is Josh Allen down to a T. Uh, <laughs> uh, the most inaccurate throw in the NFL. So what do you, what do you expect? I mean, come on. Uh, but no, uh, yeah, Dawson Knox, uh, two receptions um, for 26 yards. It would have been so much different with that touchdown. Uh, but positivity, positivity this is what I'm saying. There are so many tight ends. I love this tight end class, like in the class, the tight end landscape uh, this year in fantasy. There's so many players like Dawson Knox, Ian Thomas, that we didn't even mention in the Panthers game, had a couple of carries. Chris Herndon in this game. Chris Herndon had, I think, six catches. Did he have six? Or was it six targets? Um, I've got the stat sheet in front of me. He had targets nonetheless. You know, he, he's going to be used, especially now when Bell has gone down because Bell was used in the passing game quite a bit. I think he had uh, two targets, two receptions before he went down injured. So Chris Herndon another one who's, you know, a tight end on that precipice. Um, there's loads, there's loads of tight ends. I love the tight end landscape. Uh, and Dawson Knox is, is one of those pieces. Okay. And now moving over to the Cleveland Browns and the Ooh. Baltimore Ravens and Cleveland are going to Cleveland. Just 
<laughs> what on earth was this? Mm. Baker Mayfield, I think many were tipping him to, to bounce back to, to the Baker Mayfield that we saw in his rookie season, but it is looking less and less likely, especially after mm. that performance there. Yeah, Baltimore, Baltimore, a good team. We saw, we saw Lamar Jackson uh, do, do Lamar Jackson things. Mm-hmm. Mark Andrews, tight end two on the week with his two touchdown grabs. Uh, he Did you see the first good. one? Oh, that was lovely. Insane catch. Yeah. Like one-handed, high-jumping yeah. grab. A little, little bit of a question as to whether it was a, a catch, but um, no, it was. It was, a, it was a great touchdown grab. And uh, Willie Sneed getting the other another touchdown grab for the um, yeah. for the Baltimore Ravens. Hollywood Brown, he five receptions. He went off for 101 yards. So if he can do that for us every week and, and get you know, a touchdown it's... grab every other week, then he's he's going to be a decent fantasy play. So yeah, I, I think the only question marks that we've got are over the over the rushing game there in Baltimore. Obviously, Lamar Jackson is going to get carries, seven rushes for for forty five yards. But Ingram and Dobbins, well, and Gus Edwards, he wasn't too far behind. Rob, do you want to talk us through this? Uh, J.K. Dobbins looked great when he had the ball. Um, he, he obviously converted two two rushes, um, found the pay dirt. Uh, Mark Ingram, 10 carries, 29 yards, 2.9 yards per carry. If he keeps doing that, he will not be the one running back one in Baltimore for much longer. Uh, <clears throat> you know, especially when, when Dobbins, okay, it was only, Dobbins was only 3.2 per carry, but at the same time, you know, he's, he's made the most of it. Um, yeah, it's, Gus Edwards won't go away, will he? Um, four, four rushes there for 17 yards. Um, I'm staying away from the whole backfield all season, really. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a very unpredictable backfield. I think it's going to be one week where it's going to be Ingram's going to have probably 80, 90 yards. And then the next week is going to be J.K. Dobbins vulturing two or three touchdowns. So I, I, I can't touch it personally. It's going to be very hard to project going forward. And equally as worrying, maybe, James, is the Cleveland backfield. So everyone tipped Nick Chubb to be the, the runner, the, the 20 carries a game kind of guy, and Kareem Hunt to be the, the pass catcher, but he actually out, out-carried him. Yeah, Kareem Hunt had 13 carries for 72 to Chubb's 10 carries for 60. So they were, in terms of rushing, they pretty much split it down the middle. It was just Hunt had a few more because I think they were going hot hand. Um but then Hunt had four receptions. Chubb only had the one. So, yeah, there's there's a lot. I think that backfield is proving to be a lot more even than we were expecting. Everyone's sort of thinking that Chubb was going to run away with it, so to speak. But um, I'll, all those people who sort of drafted Hunt later on saying, yeah, this is going to be a value. He has the upside of if he goes down and he has outright production. He's, his outright production is a lot higher than what we thought, yeah. um, which is... You know, it's, it's one of those where it's probably good news for Cream Hunt owners and Chubb owners are now already hitting the panic button. And um, yeah, now is not the time to trade in because that trade value is probably as low as it's going to get all season potentially. Um, but yeah, who would have thought we were saying that Nick Chubb needs a Cream Hunt injury? And then looking at the, the wide receivers as well, Odell Beckham, 10 targets, 22 receiving yards. Like... We said- he is a trade for target, though. This is a guy that's going to be rock, rock bottom value. Um, and the one in the one stat that I'm looking at there is ten targets. You know, yeah. t- yes, it was three receptions, 
it was an off day for Odell Beckham, which we've have, we're having more and more regularly over the last couple of years, admittedly, but he's still getting the volume. And a player like Odell Beckham can take that one to the house and he is that good. He's, he's still an elite receiver. I don't care what anyone says. He's still got some of the best hands in the business. He's, he's, he's on target. He, he, he's, he's had, what's the stat? Four, four 1,000 yard receiving seasons in the last five or something like that. Well, since yeah. the league, um, you know, it, 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 he's still a good receiver. Go trade for him. I've, I've tried in a couple of leagues and I'm close in one league, particularly on, on getting him um, more than happy with, with that. If I do get him. And yeah, just make some... sure you find a very, very blonde um, hair dye to send <laughs> over to Cleveland once you do it. Yeah. <laughs> and the final of the early games saw the Seattle Seahawks take on the Atlanta Falcons in another high-scoring affair. And I think this was even closer than the... Sorry, it was it was less close than the, the scoreline suggests with the Seahawks running out 38-25 winners. Russell Wilson, he is playing with that, I am going to win an MVP chip on his shoulder i well i'm at least going to get an mb mvp vote this year like he was he was fantastic uh, he had the the russian side uh, 29 yards as well as um throwing for 322 yards and four touchdowns i thought he looked great and that pains me as a san francisco fan considering that we've that we've lost our opener but if we can see russell play like that for a whole season then there's no reason not why he can't win uh, the mvp and and get on to the super bowl However, this is another backfield that has got a massive question mark over it. We presume that Chris Carson would be the the 15-carry guy, but but James, what on earth happened? He, he basically caught the ball instead. Yeah. Um, he, was, he, ended, he ended up with six, six receptions on six targets for 45 yards and two touchdowns. So Chris Carson would have probably been like one of the top wide receivers in this one, but yet he's a running back and had six carries for 21 yards on top of that in what could be classed as his primary role, um, which is strange when Carlos Hyde, who, you know, years ago people thought was a bit more of a pass catching back, had seven carries for 23 yards and a rushing touchdown and didn't get any receptions. So to be honest, any people waking up and seeing um, Carson's stats in their fantasy team is going to think, yep, this is looking good, but... Um, yeah, in games where he's not necessarily getting the ball through the air, it's maybe not going to be quite as clear-cut as you think. Um, but it's still, you know, Carlos Hyde suddenly becomes a bit of a you know deeper league value, but I still wouldn't say rush out and get him because it's not, it's not going to be one of those where someone is a number one. I think this is a true sort of 1A, 1B in terms of rushing, but clearly there is a preference when it comes to the pass catching. So... And this is what worried me about Seattle heading into the season. Like if, if Carlos Hyde is going to get the goal line character that was from the one-yard line, his, his touchdown, I, th- I, I don't like Chris Carson. I, I, he got six carries in this game. He is not going to score two receiving touchdowns every single week. So I'd be getting rid of him. I'd be tr- using him as trade bait now in, in your leagues to, to try and get rid because he's not going to get two rushing touchdowns. He was outcarried by Carlos Hyde and six carries for somebody that you need to carry the football is not good enough in a blowout win. Like Falcon scored 25 points, but a lot of that was garbage time. No, get rid of Carson now. Take, take the fact that he scored a lot of fantasy points off his two receiving touchdowns to shift him. Um, equally, the receivers, I love them. Metcalf and Lockett, they split the targets eight each. 
Uh, they got 95 and 92 yards respectively, but Metcalf got the touchdown to take it up to the uh, to take his fantasy value up. However, Tyler Lockett did get eight receptions, which helps his PPR value. They're going to be fun to watch this season, and they've got Josh Gordon to come in as well. <laughs> like, how's Josh Gordon going to get come in and get any uh, any target share off these two guys? It's it yeah. will be an interesting one for sure. But um, yeah, I love even though I'm a 49ers fan, I absolutely love uh, Russ Metcalf and Lockett, and I think the three of them combined this season are going to win people some fantasy football leagues because... Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll jump in with one worrying thing I do have for Seattle, though, in terms of fantasy. I mean, not in terms of reality, because this is going to help them. But, um, but I think they had three tight ends each with targets and receptions. Greg Olson obviously got the score, got the most receptions with four. Will Disley was playing. Yeah. Um, we don't know how limited, but he was playing. So, And Jacob Hollister got a catch as well. So... It's a case of they're still spreading the ball out. It's amazing how many times Russell Wilson will find a different receiver and yet still have two very relevant wide receivers and is still able to also support a running back in the wide, in effectively as a pass catcher. It's just, I don't know how. It's just the guy's unreal, really. But um, I mean, I'm, in terms, can I, I'm just going to wind back to Carson because. I'm not in panic mode with him just yet. I'm sort of, I've got a bit of a different opinion in that I, 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 he's not going to get two rushing, yeah, two receiving touchdowns each time. And I don't think that pass catching work is going to be consistent, but I do think they will run him more, but it's that, you know, maybe where you drafted him isn't necessarily a value, but you, you shouldn't be trading for anything. It's very much, you've got to be trading for someone who was pretty much drafted in a similar position, who maybe either had a down week or, you know, who, you think he's going to be on a bit of an upswing. I mean, if anyone can actually, you know, get, let's throw this wild one out there. If you can trade Carson on a high for Cooper Cup on a low, would you do it? I mean, I would in a heartbeat, but um, I don't know whether anyone would be silly enough to. Mm, it's, it's a tough one. And I can see why you like Carson, but not for me. I didn't. I didn't like him in the draft, and I'm, I'm not liking that. Rob, you're the you cast the final vote. What are your thoughts on Chris Carson for the season? Are you getting rid, or are you happy to keep? Can't be on the fence. I can't be on the fence. Can I? <laughs> um, I'll keep him. I I, I think that <laughs> I don't know what I think. I'm going to keep him though. I'm going to keep him. See see what else he offers. We finally found a player that polarizes all three of us. <laughs> we don't agree on something, finally. <laughs> I'm looking at the Falcons. They are going to yield a lot of fantasy points this year. Todd Gurley only had the 14 carries, but game script again dictated that he wasn't going to get that many. There are going to be games where the Falcons do win and Todd Gurley will get more. He got the goal line carry, which he converted into the touchdown, which is what fantasy owners want to see. And he was also targeted five times. So there is enough there for me to have faith in Todd Gurley for the season. It wasn't his biggest fantasy performance of his career, but I am not worried about it at all. And then looking at the wide receivers, three wide receivers who each had 12 targets and nine receptions. Julio Jones converting that into 157 receiving yards, no touchdowns. Calvin Ridley, 130 yards, two touchdowns. And Russell Gage, 114 yards with no touchdowns. So for Matt Ryan to be able to get three 100-yard receivers, well, they got, uh, what, nearly 400 yards between them. So quick maths yeah, here. Yeah, I think it's 400, is it 400? 401. 
yeah, 401 receiving yards between them. Going. So very good going. That is fantastic, and they are in for a big season. I think Russell Gage will drop off. I don't think that's sustainable to him for the season. But Calvin Ridley, well, he was he was obviously clearly wide open after a, a defensive blunder for Seattle for his. Uh, I can't remember if it was for. I think it was his first touchdown. Yeah, but first one, yeah. yeah, those two are going to be good. And people were tipping them to be like Mike Evans and, and Calvin uh, Chris Godwin of, of last year. And I think that is perfectly acceptable. Uh, Hayden Hurst, what did we think of him? He had a, he had a big play, big twenty-seven yard grab um, that, that that caught my eye. But apart from that, not too much too much action. Uh, five targets, three receptions for thirty-eight yards. Didn't fill the boots of Austin Hooper too well. Are we, are we giving up already? No, not giving up. But I was never really on the. Tra- <laughs> Do you remember last episode? I was the yeah, episode yeah. before when I said I was one foot on the train, one on the platform. Still, I'm I'm still there, but my legs just got wider. Um, <laughs> I'm just <laughs> so I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to make a decision real soon. Uh, otherwise, I'm gonna get hurt. Um, uh, it's, it certainly didn't start very well. Um, three for thirty-eight, five target, five targets is. Right, here's the thing. When you've got 36 targets going to Jones, Ridley, and Gage, it's going to be very hard for, for Hayden Hurst to get a, a regular spot in that offense. Um, having said that, there's going to be games where he's going to be one of those that gets 12. Yeah. It's a matchup play. Pick your matchups. If, you, if they're against a team that don't do very well against tight ends, then Hayden Hurst is going to be a great play that week. Um, but like this week, um, you know, wasn't to be, then it's going to be hit and miss, I think, for, for Hayden Hurst. Yeah, I think Russell Gage's numbers were what people expected from Hurst. So them two yeah. might be them two might be flip flopping yes. sort of third top receiver position yeah. through the season. So yeah. it's um, pick your poison based on the defense, pretty much. Okay, and now we head into the late slate, and we start off with the Bengals and the LA Chargers, and this did not yield fantasy production at all. It was. It, it was a tight game, um, but Joe Burrow was actually the, the top fantasy performer here, and he was only the quarterback 17. So not a lot to write home about. I think the use of Austin Eckler was interesting. A lot of people are writing him off, um, but he got 19 carries. And I think that is the important stat to look at here, is that Austin Eckler got 19 carries. The receiving work will come. Like he was never going to get quite as much as he did with, with Philip Rivers there. Um, he was only targeted once, which he, he caught to, to turn into three yards. So he isn't going to get that same production as, as when Philip Rivers was there, but it will come. And if we can couple that with, with 19 carries on a weekly basis, then I've got no problems with Austin Eckler headed out throughout the season. What did worry me was Joshua Kelly. He looked great. Uh, he got the, the goal line work. He, he got the touchdown, which... Austin Eckler, you're, ne- you're never going to expect Austin Eckler to, to get the goal line work. Although if you did watch Hard Knocks, him watching, uh, him jumping over the, the five bags uh-huh. on the bucket, yeah. Um, yeah. was very impressive, but it was a little bit too far out for him to be, uh, <laughs> not even Austin Eckler could have, could have jumped that far. So, uh, Rob, panic stations for Austin Eckler or? No. Um, uh, yes and no. Uh, I posted a good, uh, good meme, uh, actually, um, which was Austin Eckler with Philip Rivers, a big muscly guy, and then Austin Austin Eckler without Philip Rivers, a real weedy looking guy. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, yeah, someone, um, I know you found my yearbook photo. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was to be seen, isn't it? Tyrod Taylor's never really used a running back like that before. Um, you know, he had fairly good production out of LaShawn McCoy in Buffalo, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Austin Eckler is, is a guy that, he's a gadget player that needs someone like Philip Rivers. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's to be seen. One thing I will say, I, I am going to have to leave you guys now. Um, I've got I've got to go for, for, for a personal thing, but I will leave you with this. Mike Williams looked absolutely brilliant out on that field and he got absolutely tanked three or four times he hit that soil so freaking hard and he was he was going into the game questionable i'm like poor bloke like he must have got he must have had a like he must be aching today because he got absolutely slammed three or four times um but he carried on playing fair play to him um and those four well-earned well (laughs) four well-earned receptions for, for 69 yards he looked really good really really good Okay, Rob. So just before you leave us, who are you smashing the waiver wire for this week? I knew you was going to ask that, and I have to, I have pulled it up. Um, I'm going to go a little bit left field here, and I'm going to say Malcolm Brown because I think Malcolm Brown is the is the running back one in in Los Angeles going forward. After seeing what after seeing that performance, I know you're going to get onto him shortly. Yeah. Um, but after seeing the highlights today um, of, of last night's game, he's their guy. You know, until Cam Akers can prove that he can do it in the NFL level, and I did have reservations of him coming out of FSU. He had a poor O line at FSU, poor O line here, but he's got to step up, and it's going to take time. While that time is being used, Malcolm Brown is going to be the guy. So he's he's the guy that I'm spending my my fab on this week. Well, Rob, thank you very much. Cheers, um, boys. We'll catch I'll, you I'll, later sorry to week. leave you uh, early, but I will I will catch you next week for sure. Well, Zoom's come up to say we've got nine minutes, 20 left to cover three and a half games. So um, (laughs) maybe it's not all the bad thing. So (laughs) goodbye. Cheers, boys. Okay, James, Cincinnati, Joe Mixon. Is it panic stations with Joe Mixon? Uh, Not yet. So you've still got Burrow still a rookie, still getting used to the league. And the Chargers still have a decent defense, but it was one of those games where it just felt the the game just felt so bad that you didn't feel like yeah, anyone yeah. deserved to be relevant and it kind of fell that way. I mean, the Chargers didn't look to have much of a passing attack. I mean, Tyrod threw 30 times, of which how many were caught? 16. 16 yeah. So it wasn't exactly a productive day offensively for either team. Um, yeah, Mixon's... He's gonna have. He's not gonna be like lights out every week. Otherwise, you'd have drafted him in the first round. Most people. So, um, he was certainly a second rounder in most leagues and slipped to the third occasionally, usually in two QB leagues. But um, yeah, it's not panic stations just yet. Um, receiver wise, it gets a bit interesting though in Cincinnati because um, Burrow kind of did spread it about a bit. Let's put it. Let's put it that way. Again, there were eight different receiving. Yeah, people who caught a pass. Um, AJ Green was the most productive and CJ Azama, who I believe when he was early doing his rankings, Rob actually said he could be a decent option at tight end. And, uh, well, in terms of on a Bengals level, he was, um, in terms of uh, overall, yeah, maybe not, you know, not exactly pound the waiver wire for him unless you're in a two tight end league, but for reception for 45 yards, is probably more than a lot of teams. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's a touchdown away. It's a touchdown away from from having a really good week there. Probably so. top top sort of top seven it would have been if he'd have had a touchdown, I think. 
Exactly. Um, so. Not maybe even top five, potentially. Tyler Boyd, four for 33 on five targets. Um, it looks like Burrow thinks that Green is his sort of A1 target that is his go-to, which is sort of fair enough. But um, yeah, the SOS, the big one, is Mixon only had one reception on two targets, yeah. which surprises me a little bit. But that'll come with time. I think this is still a bit of playbook learning for Burrow. And we move to the Cardinals at the San Francisco 49ers. Cardinals in a little bit of an upset win and a 24-20 victory. Uh, Kyler Murray clearly being the stand-up performer here uh, on the ground as much as anything with his 91 rushing yards and a touchdown to go with his 230 passing yards, touchdown and interception. Expect a lot of that, Kyler. He is, well, 13 carries. He um, nearly left the team. So, yeah, we're going we're gonna to expect to see a lot of that there. Compared to Jimmy Garoppolo, who isn't going to run the football. So that makes his, well, his passing stats were, were slightly better than Kyler Murray's, but his fantasy performance wasn't as good as a result of that. Uh, from a running back point, Kenyon Drake, uh, 3.8 yards per carry in the touchdown. Uh, so Rob will be semi-waving that flag this week. It wasn't the, the best fantasy performance for Kenyon Drake, but it wasn't a complete disaster either. But you, you'd expect more from the position that you drafted him from. And Raheem Mostert, he was, well, he had a 76-yard uh, reception uh, touchdown that, that obviously boosted his fantasy football performance. But apart from that, it wasn't, it wasn't the best of weeks for Raheem Mostert. If you, if you take away that, that long reception, then it was, it was pretty average, really. And that, that's, that goes to be said for a lot of San Francisco 49ers. George Kittle, he was very active in the first half, looked to be getting good, but then just fell off a cliff in the second half and only finished with 44 receiving yards and a carry for, for nine yards. Um, as, as respected, as expected, sorry, um, no receiver stood out. Kyle Juszczyk actually had the fullback, actually had more receiving yards than any 49ers wide receiver, which is, is slightly worrying. So let's get Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk back as quickly as possible. But DeAndre Hopkins, 14 receptions of 16 targets for 151 yards. Cardinals paid for him and Cardinals got, certainly in week one, what they paid for. He didn't get a touchdown, but but wow. What performance, eh, James? Yeah, that's 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 what Houston were missing on Thursday night, um, <laughs> funnily. Um, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins went complete beast on that one and the only thing he didn't get was a touchdown. But, say, 14 receptions on 16 targets and 151 yards is just... You know, Kyler Murray is licking his lips because he can, he, can, he can run the ball or he can pass it to a dominant wide receiver. And then he still has a couple of extra options. Um, Kenyon Drake, I think his week was saved by the two receptions he got that made his stat line reasonably respectable, you know, along with the touchdown run, which, to be honest, probably, well, it might not have been his. I think it got brought back. Um, I can't remember who got it the first time, and then it got brought back, and then Drake took it in, if I remember, unless I'm remembering a different part of the game. But, um, yeah, Chase Edmonds even got a touchdown on one of his um, targets as well, which, you know, suddenly there's production coming from everywhere. But, um, yeah, Kyler Murray is going to be worth the QB5-ish area that people were drafting him, I think. Definitely. And um, two QB leagues, I think, uh, is looking good. The one worrying thing I would say for fancy owners, and um, yeah, I, I've got to take a bit of a loss on this one, was Christian Kirk. He had one reception for no yards on five targets. 
So that's colloquially a goose egg. Well, no, it's one point in PPR. In standard, it would have been a goose egg. And a lot of people are saying, well, Hopkins is going to get, you know, double coverage. He's going to get, you know, a lot. there's going to be a lot of room open for Christian Kirk. And I thought the same. And in the end, the answer is, it doesn't matter how many people you put on Hopkins, he's probably going to catch the ball anyway. So why bother with the number two option? So as, as, a, few, as a person who owns Kirk in a few places, I'm already worried which is never a good sign. <laughs> so. Which I, I don't think DeAndre Hopkins' targets of 16 is sustainable. So you've, you've got to think that Christian Kurt will be the beneficiary of, of some of those um, headed throughout the season, especially when Hopkins starts to get more and more coverage throughout. So heading back south, it was Tom Brady's debut in Tampa Bay, and it was a victory of 34 to 23 for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Tom Brady throwing two interceptions, one of which was a pick six. Uh, and imagine my shock that OJ Howard outperformed Rob Gronkowski in the tight end <laughs> room. Uh, Gronk getting two receptions for 11 yards, uh, no touchdowns, and OJ Howard getting four for 36 and a touch. Did anyone else see that coming, or was it just me? Everyone thinking that the Buccaneers were going to be you know, a really, really strong offense. And this doesn't suggest that. And uh, I say they're sort of looking through Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else. So it's a bit of a temperature check. And the, the sort of the comments I've seen most was Tampa, Tampa Bay. Oh dear. <laughs> or at least words to that effect. Um, you know, another, another good meme where it's, you know, Tom Brady going to, am I the best quarterback in the league? Patrick Mahomes says yeah. no. Am I the best in the NFC? No. Am I the best in my division? No. Am I even the best in Florida? <laughs> God, I mean, she just going, lol. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's the, the, pick, the pick six is kind of the thing. That's three games in a row if you go including the end of his previous stint with the Patriots. And I think only two other quarterbacks have done it, the last of which was Blaine Gabbert, which says a lot. Um, but yeah, just uh, Mike Evans. Let's 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 just address one thing. Mike Evans w- went from doubtful to questionable to playing to barely getting a touch to getting a touchdown. So that's quite the recovery. But fancy that touchdown suddenly turned the fancy owners who had the last minute decisions from uh, why did I do that to uh, that's probably a wash. But um. Chris Godwin didn't take off the way I was expecting. So he only had six receptions for 79 yards, which sans Evans feels a bit of a disappointment. Um, Scotty Miller had five receptions for 73 yards and people are starting to go, who the hell is he? Um, (laughs) And people are realizing Gronk two receptions for 11 yards. So the Tampa Bay backfield. Now, obviously, Leonard Fournette was brought in and uh, was tipped to get quite a bit of the, the rushing work there. But Ronald Jones won the battle 17-5 and LaShawn McCoy didn't even get a single carry. So Rojo didn't exactly set the world alight with his 3.9 yards per carry, but it certainly certainly got the keys to that backfield. Uh, James, what are you making of that? So, yeah, the Bucks said that Rojo was going to be their starter, and they weren't wrong. Fournette just came in occasionally and averaged one yard a carry, so <laughs> it was even worse. Um, obviously, still getting used to that backfield, but when Tom Brady is out rushing you, um, and as is Scotty Miller as, the wide receiver, as a wide receiver as well, that's looking um, 
interesting. And see, every single part of this Tampa Bay offense just didn't look right, just wasn't clicking. And some from thinking you were superstars, suddenly people are thinking that they may be in trouble already, which is just, you know, you'd never have thought that preseason. No. But New Orleans, again, we, we had dilemmas. Like Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara not producing what fantasy owners would have expected, even though they, they did win. But when you've, you've got Taysom Hill very nearly rushed for more yards than, than Alvin Kamara, and um, he, had, he had 14 yards receiving as well. It's, it's such a bizarre one. Latavius Murray, I'm not that bothered that he's outcarried Alvin Kamara. What really does bother me is the fact that Alvin Kamara had 1.3 yards per carry, um, and one of them was a, a six-yard uh, rush for, for his touchdown. So not looking good there, although he did get a touchdown off it. And his, his, his receiving work did make up for that. But Michael Thomas, three receptions, 17 yards, no touchdowns off five targets. That will send fantasy owners into a tiz. He has yeah. now, it has now come out that he's got high ankle sprain, which yeah. he definitely believes that he can play through. But where have we heard that before? It's another season where a top wide receiver is going to end up playing a season through injury. So the excuse is ready made and the... I mean, he won't claim it as an excuse, but there's obviously going to be reasons if he's not going to fully perform. He now has Emmanuel Sanders as a, I would say, much more legitimate wide receiver too in that offense than he's ever had. You know, Ted Ginn, I think it was last season, along with Traquan Smith. And I think Sanders is there, is a much better insurance policy than um, Ginn was. Um, Jared Cook, however much we've belittled him in draft season, Ended up being effective. Seven targets, five receptions, 80 yards. Albeit, I think with Tom Thomas slightly hobbled, that may have been a bit of a... He was the beneficiary of the necessity. Try to say that quickly three times. <laughs> but um, yeah, Kamara's still got a lot of the passing game. So in fantasy-wise, he should be fine. Um, now that the contract's all settled as well, which was an, another biggie. I think, you know, with the weight off his shoulders, you know, obviously he's not got that to play for, but he's obviously going to feel a little bit more comfortable. I don't see Latavius Murray as a huge threat, but those who drafted him because he has that, you know, upside on his own will feel pleased to see how many carries he got. But to only make 48 yards out of the 15 carries at 3.2, um, yeah, it shows at least the one thing is the offense will still use him, which I suppose yeah. as a, if you're a Murray owner is the one plus point out of all that. And finally, headed into the Sunday night game where the Dallas Cowboys and the Los Angeles Rams did battle in the debut of SoFi Stadium. We have already mentioned that Blake Jarwin tore his ACL after having one reception for 12 yards. So fire up Blake Bell and Dalton Schultz, but how they get used uh, remains to be seen and whether we even want to pick them up. Uh, CD Lamb could actually be the, the biggest beneficiary out of that. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott looked Zeke self, having 22 carries, 96 yards and a touchdown. He also had uh, 31 receiving yards off three receptions and receiving touchdowns. That earns him running back three honours for the week, which is where he's drafted. So, well, until Saquon comes tonight, it makes him running back four. But yeah, Zeke gave him the exact return that, that you paid for him in your fantasy drafts. Uh, Dak, a little bit of a disappointment. He had 30 rushing yards, uh, 266 passing, and a, and a touch through the air. Um, but it wasn't a it wasn't a high scoring 
a big shootout. It was it was quite quite low scoring really, so we weren't expecting to see big fantasy numbers at the back of that. Amari Cooper, fourteen targets. Did you expect to see him get that many targets share out of that, James? Um, I was expecting it to be a little more spread out, but I was expecting Cooper to probably just tip the balance. But I wasn't expecting between Cooper, Lamb, and Gallup for it to be fourteen six five. No. I was sort of expecting more sort of ten seven six or something. So that, the wide margin's quite impressive, and you know people who drafted Cooper will feel a little bit happier about life. I mean, ten receptions, eighty one yards. While it's not groundbreaking in PPR, that's a healthy score. Um, yeah, CD Lamb, as you say, is going to benefit from Jarwin being out because that's suddenly you're going to need your third wide receiver to be getting yeah. more targets as well. So, um, I mean, obviously, Jarwin only had one target um, before he went down, but that was a 12 yard catch. So, I say our um, projected stats make that look rather nice. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this, it's, I think that Jarwin thing might throw it in for a loop a little bit. Um, so. I was expecting a little bit more from Gallup, to be honest. The early, so he had some of the early highlights, but then only three receptions off his five targets. Okay, they went for 50 yards, but, you know, I, a lot of people sort of, I think even us included, were thinking that Cooper might get covered quite a lot by Jalen Ramsey and that it would leave Gallup open, but it seems like Gallup was the one that was being covered and Cooper just ran riot. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a strange year in Dallas and there could be a little bit of a time where, you have all three receivers, but a different one might be the top target getter. And um, you may just have to take a bit of a wild guess. Yeah, so I'm still liking Dak. Obviously, we, we, still, oh, yeah. like, we still like Zeke there. Uh, but um, yeah, an interesting one in the wide receiver room. So we're going to have to see some, some improvement from, from all three, really, uh, considering the, the work that's on offer. But the LA Rams, that side of the ball... That backfield, we didn't know how that was going to pan out. Everyone was tipping Cam Akers to be the main beneficiary. And the, the target, uh, sorry, the carry split between Akers and Brown wasn't all that great. But Malcolm Brown was able to take his 18 carries for 79 rushing yards, two touchdowns on the ground. And he also had four targets, which he converted into three receptions for 31 yards. So big week for Malcolm Brown. And Rob's already mentioned that he is his, his top waiver wire pickup this week. Cam Akers, there'll be a lot of Cam Akers owners out there that, that have got the tails between the legs. Do you see that continuing for the rest of the season or is this just a, a one-off for Malcolm Brown? I agree with Rob that I think it's going to gradually change, but I don't think Malcolm Brown is going to be demoted to number two for the next few weeks at least because it, it, I think the, the wild card in all this was going to be Daryl Henderson and whether he was going to get you know, equal use as those two, whether it's going to be three-headed monster in the backfield or whether it's going to be two. Uh, Henderson with three carries for six yards, it's clearly only two people in this backfield now, which sort of clarifies that option a lot. And Brown is the more experienced guy, seems to be getting the first click and made the most of it, Um, which considering Brown Brown was one of my sort of, you know, last four-round picks in best ball leagues, um, this week has come up roses, to be honest, because mm. so many places just wasn't drafted. And um, yeah, Waver Wire, he's going to be one of the top three, I think, this week. Because the opportunity is there. A lot of this, I think, was kind of game script. They, the um, Rams made no um, secret that they could, they wanted to attack the sort of soft middle of the Cowboys. And it was more about the running game than the passing game, uh, as you will see from Cooper Cup's stat line. But 
um, yeah, they decided to just run it with Malcolm Brown. They they played their game plan really well, and Brown was the beneficiary. There were going to be weeks coming up where the game script doesn't quite go in his favour, and you're going to look at him and think, oh, that was a disappointment, but you never drafted him as you were running back two or your flex and but you're picking up thinking that so my sort of my sort of advice is don't go crazy on the waiver wire for him but make sure that you also don't let someone else get him on a cheap deal effectively if you're using fab and um if you've got your priorities then make sure you at least have a go if you haven't got your eyes on someone else ahead like Heinz potentially okay so you've mentioned the waiver wire obviously we've got the the hype train article coming out very soon, without giving too much away, who is your top waiver wire choice for this week? Dallas Goddard. Um, <laughs> 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 well, Dallas Goddard's up there. It's again, positional sort of requirement. We've mentioned Brown and Hines would be your running back if you need a running back. Goddard, if you need a tight end. Um, so I'll go, f- I'll try and pick out a wide receiver who's sort of my one. And it's funny how the so go, right, when I was writing the article, it was quite easy to come up with running backs who could be, you know, really valuable picking up who have suddenly found themselves in really good roles. Finding a wide receiver who's sort of low owned who can potentially, you know, build up into, you know, being roster, you know, startable isn't as easy. I mean, I suppose that's because a lot of leagues will have three wide receivers starting potentially. Um, but I think, yeah, I'm going to say, say actually, I'm going to have no spoilers. I'm going to say no. Those running backs are the two. So Naeem Hines and um, Malcolm Brown would be my top two and Dallas Goddard there. It's, if you need a wide receiver, then you are going to struggle a little bit. I know Russell Gage is there. There's a lot of honorable mentions in that article that, are, you know, it's the case of you will have to do a little bit of research in what you, what, how you're feeling, you know, search inside yourself. But yeah, it's a trick. It's going to be an interesting one. Week one waivers are always a very dangerous game because you've got one week of data to go off of and, it's sometimes you can be sold a false dawn. It's um, there's not been quite as many as injuries as I was expecting considering the off season. So it's an interesting landscape this way for wire, but it's going to be exciting. Uh, John Brown, not someone we really talked about in Buffalo. I like him. Um, if you can get him on your waiver wire, then go and do so. Obviously he's playing opposite Stefan Diggs. Diggs is the bigger name. Diggs is going to attract that that top attention. And uh, it was Brown who got the touchdown there this week. Uh, at tight end, I also like OJ Howard, as we've just mentioned. Um, he's going to be available on a few waiver wires because Gronk was the, was the guy that everyone assumed would be the top guy. But um, yeah, OJ Howard for me is, is going to be the guy there. And they are they are my two top top two waiver wire pickups for this week so make sure you check out the the hype train article once that hits uh, you can find that at f10y fantasy or on www.full10yards.com james where can we find you on twitter as always at nfl hype train toot, toot. toot toot indeed well i have been david davenport you can find me on twitter at dav underscore f10y It is currently 10 past 11 as we are wrapping up this Monday night show. So I'm going to have this edited just in time for the kickoff between the Steelers and the Giants. James, are you confident? Um, After how you and Rob went on, no. (laughs) Um, But in the grand scheme of things, I feel like this is one that we should win. Um, If not, then this Steelers defense is going to look a bit like a false dawn. But 
Um, we'll see. This is the true test. Will the offense click? It's, the Giants aren't the best defense. So here's hoping. We'll, we're going to find out whether this offense is good enough. Because if they can't do it against the Giants, then I don't hold out much hope for the rest of the season. Yeah. James Conner, how do you think he's going to fare tonight? So long as he doesn't get injured, I think he'll do fine. It's, it's very much when he's playing, he's good. When he's not playing, he's injured. Um, which seems obvious when you think about it. Yeah. It's, it's that's a ten past eleven quote right there, people. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, nah, I've I've got hope. He's not gonna he's not gonna do what Barkley does on the other side. No way. Although he, you know, Mike Tomlin said he is going to be our bell cow and, until he effectively is down. So um, yeah, he will go down at some point this season. Is my only prediction. I feel comfortable with with the Steelers. There will be a time where James Conner is not available. Um, that's the only certainty in that offense, I think. But um, we shall find out. I am excited to uh, see what happens, though. There's, there's, there's a faint bit of optimism there. Cool. Well, all the best. Let's get out of here. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you later on in the week. been listening to the full 10 yards fantasy podcast you can find us on twitter at f10y fantasy and over on our website www.full10yards.com where we cater to all of your american football needs from nfl general fantasy football college football and even brit ball thanks for listening and remember folks keep those eyes peeled <laughs>